Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Southbridge Weekly. Uh, I'm Brandon, and I'm joined, as always, by Pastor Todd. Great to be with you, Brandon, and glad we're back on there. Uh, it's been quite a while since we last gave an update, I guess, right before Easter, talking right. about the resurrection. Right? Yeah, right before Easter, uh, we took a little little break. Um, it was Easter Sunday, and then I had a birthday, and so I was gone. So it's just been a, been a little while, so we're excited to be back. Um, and we are we are in with the heavy hitters. We decided to come back swinging. Um, so we're talking about election today. So everybody, just get ready and get your notepads ready. So who's in the race for twenty twenty four? I don't know. Is it is Kanye? Have they already it, declared? I mean, they, surely we're talking about elections. I mean, we've got to oh, go down right, that yeah. road. <laughs> no, I, different kind of election. Oh, slightly different kind. Um, and uh, which this makes me nervous that you don't even know what we're talking about yet. <laughs> so um, let's let's just talk a little bit about what the actual doctrine of election is. So when we look at this and we talk about election, a simple definition that Grudem gives to us is that election is an act of God before creation, in which He chose some people to be saved, not on account of any foreseen merit or action from them but only because of his good and sovereign pleasure. And and so some find this doctrine troubling or difficult, or maybe even there are some people who would say God's unfair in this. Mm -hmm. Uh, But what we need to remember is that we take all of our doctrine, all of our belief, and, and we base it not upon what we think or what we feel or how we make sense of it or reason it out, but our beliefs are based on God's revelation in the Scripture. And that's where we started all those weeks ago, 14 weeks ago. Uh, and, and now, uh, as we look at this, as we talk about this, what we need to understand is that election is simply the God who created and fashioned everything in the universe, having a plan and a purpose that he will accomplish in how it plays out. So we said that this is based on scriptures, um, and so we're just going to jump in and start walking through some of the scriptures that we find this in. Um, So why don't you just give us some places that we find election in scripture? For those of you who are listening, Brandon's staring down and looking because I've got like 20 scriptures listed out. If you need me to read one or two, just you, you tell me. I can knock it out for you. So where I would say that that we could start is all the way back in the Garden of Eden, right? God responds to Adam and Eve uh, and their sin with a plan and a promise. Immediately upon announcing the curse, he also gives a promise that there is going to be one born of the seed of a woman who is going to crush the head of the serpent. And so even before there was sin, it seems as though God has already got a plan and a promise that he is going to fulfill. Uh, And so he makes a promise uh, also to Noah after the flood that the earth will never again be destroyed by by flooding. Uh, And then he promises Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. He promises that their family will be a great family. They're going to be a blessing to all the nations. And then God chose a people, this people from Abraham, these people that would become called Israelites. He chose these nobodies. In fact, God says it to them. I did not choose you because you were a great people or a noble people. In fact, you were the least of all the people. Mm-hmm. 
but I loved you, I chose you, I redeemed you, I've called you by my name, and you are mine. He goes on to promise Moses that there will be another like him, but one who is greater than him. He promises David there will be an heir that reigns on a throne that will never cease, that will reign forever. In the New Testament, what we see is that the gospel testifies that Jesus is actually the fulfillment of all these promises. And that promise that we celebrated uh, at Christmas and at Easter of a Messiah who would come uh, to provide salvation is the one who actually works out redemption for God's people. And Jesus says in John 6, 37 uh, through 39, he says, all that the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never cast out. And then he comes back and says, and this is the will of him, the Father who sent me, that I should lose nothing of all that he has given me, but I should raise it up on the last day. And, and so mm-hmm. Jesus himself has that idea of election, that there are definite people who will respond, who will be saved uh, in the midst of a broken world that is filled with sin and destruction. Acts 13, 48, uh, the apostles pick up on this. And as Paul and Barnabas uh, preach at Antioch, Luke records, and as many as were appointed to eternal life believed. And, and that idea that, that this is a group uh, that that is going to respond and, and uh, they are appointed to eternal life and they respond to the preaching of the gospel and they believe it and they receive it. We also go all the way from Genesis to Revelation. If we look over in Revelation chapter 5, Verses 1 through 5, it it says, Then I saw the right hand of him who was seated on the throne, a scroll written within and on the back, sealed with seven seals. And I saw a mighty angel proclaiming with a loud voice, Who is worthy to open the seal scroll and break its seals? And no one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll or to look into it. And I began to weep loudly because no one was found worthy to open the scroll or to look into it. And one of the elders said to me, weep no more. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has conquered so that he can open the scroll and its seven seals. And as we walk through the next two chapters of Revelation, what we find is that that scroll is the book of life. Yeah. The Lamb's book of life is how, how we reference that. And, and so that that list, well, the question naturally comes then, when was that sealed? Yeah. Or, or how, how do we make sense of that? Well, Ephesians 1, 4 through 6, I've put it there, and if you want to read that for yeah. us, uh, we'll just dive into to what it says. Okay. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place and places, even as he chose or elect us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, 
to the praise of his glorious grace and with which he has blessed us in the beloved. So when we see the one who is worthy to take the book of life, mm-hmm. break the seals, call the names, it's Jesus. Yeah. And, and here it says this wasn't a plan that came about on the fly and that God was writing down the names as he was going through human history. Yeah. No, it says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly place, even as he chose us, he elected us yeah. from before the foundation of the world. Yeah. And so when we see that, do we know how to make sense of all that? Mm-hmm. Can we ever fully understand all that goes in? I can't. But I can understand that the Bible is teaching that God has chosen people Mm -hmm. who will come to know him and Mm -hmm. to live with him for the rest of eternity. And he didn't do it because of our acts of faith or acts of merit that we would express towards him. But it says expressly in verse 5, he has done this according to the purpose of his will. And and so, like I said, that can be a struggle and we're not saying anything more. We're not saying anything less. We're just simply saying that, that there is a group of people who will respond, who will receive uh, the gospel and and embrace it by faith. And, And those are people that God has marked out from eternity past. And so Romans 8, 28 through 30 uh, comes back and says, so we know that God works all things together for those who love him, for those who are called according to his purpose, for those he foreknew he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And, And Paul comes back and says in verse 30, for those he predestined, he called. Those he called, he justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. Hmm. And, and so as we look at that, that's an ironclad chain. Yeah. There are people who are predestined, who will be called, who will be justified, who will be glorified. And all of that is to the praise of God. It's his glorious grace that has done that. Do we understand that? Can we make sense of that? Does that limit our human ability or moral responsibility? Absolutely not. We are totally voluntary in our willing choices that we make every day. Mm -hmm. But in the midst of that, the sovereign God of the universe who made us to know him, to love him, to live with him, has invited us into relationship and he knows and has marked out at the end of time, these people will be with me. Yeah. And it, it, you know, that's one of those things that on first blush, you kind of are, it kind of makes you not about bristle, but kind of, it kind of takes you back. But then if you, as you think about it logically, I mean, you can think through humanity, not everyone up to this point has accepted Jesus, you know? So it just logically, it makes sense that not everyone will be. And that's just, um, and then it also makes sense that God knew and God knew. Um, if, if he didn't know, we would have a definite problem 
with our right. character qualities of God. Yeah. He would no longer uh, be omniscient right? if he did not know. But, it, but it's even more than just knowing. It, it is not just him passively knowing what our faith response right. to Jesus would be. It, it is him, that word uh, elect in the Greek, it, is, uh, it will happen. Yeah. It is ordained. Yeah, he has made that to be so. So what then does that mean? For I mean that's a big question. So, but what does it mean? <laughs> so we're just going to walk through a few things that it means. Number one, God chose us in love. Mm. That passage in for Ephesians one, four through six, um, just pours out that every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places has been given not because we have earned it, not because we have done anything uh, in and of ourselves to accomplish and to deserve it, but simply because God loves us. Mm -hmm. One of the transforming truths that that has been so vital in my walk with God is this truth. God will never love me more than he does right now. Right. And he loves us. He loves us. He has chosen us. He has set his affection on us. And and he has not done it because of who we are or what we do. But he chose us according to his plans and his purposes. He has a plan. He has a promise. He has purposes that he is working to fulfill. And we have been given a part to play. Not only in our obedience, but I mean, we're learning about Jonah and God even works in the midst of his disobedience to redeem and to bring about salvation Mm -hmm. uh, for many. God didn't choose us because of who we are or what we could do any more than he chose the Ninevites. (laughs) We we think about how terrible we talked about they were on Sunday and the mountains of bodies that ran ran red and, and it looked as if it was scarlet wool because there were so many. God didn't choose us for who we are or what we would do, but God will do what is good for us. He will always do what is best for us. In fact, that's what it says in Romans eight twenty eight that God works all things to the good of those who love him, who are called according to his purpose. And so God will do what is good for us each and every moment. We can be assured that whatever it is best for us, in fact, later on in Romans chapter 8, I believe it's verse 32, uh, that he comes back and says, if he has not spared his own son for you, how will he spare any good thing? If he's loved you so much, he would give his son to redeem you and to make you his then how will he spare any good thing from you? Another truth that comes from this doctrine of election uh, would, would just be the fact that we can rest safely in his grasp, not just for a little while, but for the rest of eternity. When Jesus promises to give life to uh, those who embrace him, who follow him, who become his disciples, he doesn't say, hey, I'll give you um, I'll I tell you what, I'll give you a good life as long as you are able to uh, keep up with that. Yeah. And as long as you make your way uh, good. No, he says, listen, I'm going to give you abundant life. 
I'm going to give you eternal life. Now, how long is eternal life? Forever. Until you jump out of his hands? No. Until you sin? Man, if that was the case. If that was the case, I would be utterly hopeless. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it'd be over. And so God will keep us safely in his grasp for eternity. And finally, so God should be praised. And God should be glorified, um, just just as it said in uh, Ephesians chapter 1, that all of this in verse 6 is to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us with in the beloved. Yeah. And so we ought to praise him. We ought to sing for joy. Uh, but also we ought to proclaim the gospel. And, and the gospel is proclaimed so that uh, those who are God's chosen, God's elect, might obtain salvation. And the truth is, I don't know anybody. I don't know who that is. I haven't seen the list. In fact, it's sealed. And so as we look at that, we are on mission proclaiming the gospel to everybody in every place so that those who would repent of sin and place faith in Christ might express uh, express that desire and so that they might be saved. Paul says he endured all of the sufferings he endured for the elect that they may obtain salvation. We can be assured there are people that God has who will receive the preaching of the gospel and, and we ought to be faithful in proclaiming it everywhere because people in every nation, tribe, and tongue will come to worship Jesus. And we are the method that God has chosen to extend his kingdom. So that's a little bit of what it means. Okay, so this being almost as just as important of a question, what doesn't this mean? So the first thing that I think I need to say is it doesn't mean that our choices don't matter. Yeah. It matters what you do because we have moral agency. In fact, God made us in his image for a relationship with him. He made us to walk with him, and he gave us the moral agency to make willing and voluntary decisions. In fact, Jesus called all of the people who heard him. He called them to believe in him, and that was a legitimate call. There were those who received and embraced him, and there were those who rejected him. We are morally responsible for every decision that we make. Hmm. Secondly, God's choice wasn't based on our decisions. So once again, we come back to that idea Why did God choose us? Why has God elected us? Why has God uh, purposed us for salvation? Was it because he looked down through the corridors of history, uh, human history, and said uh, before it even came to pass, well, he's going to embrace Christ by faith, or he's going to do these good works? No. It's all according to his purpose, the purpose of his will. And so our salvation, our sanctification, even our glorification are all of God's grace and God's purpose and God's plan. And and so when we start to work through that, we understand uh, we can't be saved by any choice 
or action that we may take in and of ourselves. Mm. In fact, chapter or verse 8 of Ephesians chapter 2 says, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of your own doing. It is a gift of God, not a result of works, lest anyone should boast. Mm. And so when we think about that, when we see that, uh, what we ought to understand, it's all of grace. It's all of grace. And God has a desire that all should be saved. Once again, uh, 2 Peter 3, 8 and 9, uh, the Lord is not slow to fulfill his promises. Some count slowness. He's patient towards you, not wishing that any should perish, but that all should reach repentance. 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, this is good and is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Ezekiel 33.11 reminds us God doesn't rejoice in anybody perishing. Jonah was looked at Nineveh and said, man, let them die. (laughs) They're terrible. They're awful people. Let them get what they deserve. In our house, we hear that a lot between the siblings, you know. (laughs) You're going to get what you deserve. We love it. Yeah, that was Jonah's attitude. But praise God, he does not have that attitude. Yeah, no. He he is able to be long-suffering and gracious and kind Mm. and forgiving. Yes. And every person in the world experiences some measure of common grace. Mm. We all have life. Yeah. And the truth is, The moment we first disobey God, the first moment we sin, the first lie that we told in our life, we deserve death. Yeah. And yet God spared us from that. Yeah. And then he sends rain. And it rains both on the just and the unjust. Mm -hmm. And we have all received abilities and talents to to make our life and our world a better place. And, And so... Every person that lives has some measure of common grace or blessing from God. But as we think through that, God loves us, not because of who we are and what we can do, but because he has simply chosen to love us. And our appropriate response is to praise him both here on earth and for the rest of eternity. Our appropriate response to others is to humbly invite them to find a Savior, Mm -hmm. to find the love, the grace, the forgiveness of God through the person and work of Jesus Christ. Because once again, we don't know whose name is written in the Lamb's book of life. Mm -hmm. And we won't know until we are there on that day of redemption. But what we can know is that election is an act of God before creation in which he chose people to be saved, not on account of their acts or merit, but only because of his sovereign good pleasure. Hmm. He is a good and gracious God who has invited us into a relationship with him. Hmm. And the doctrine of election gives us assurance, number one, of his love, number two of our security, and number three, that for the rest of eternity, 
we have the promise of life with him in mm-hmm. his presence. Man. Well, this, this is a, I think, I think we said when we were preparing for this, we said this is a dense topic. Yes. Um, and as such, guys, you might need to listen back to this. Um, you might need to read it a couple, read some of the scripture that we've given you a couple times. Um, but what you don't need to do is, you know, go pick a fight with someone who, who says that this is, you know, that has a different opinion than you. So I think some of the worst fights I've ever heard in my entire life were over election versus other things. So yes. just, you know, uh, letting you, letting you all know that beforehand. The, this is definitely a tertiary issue over which we can see different things in different ways. But what we have to do is, is wherever we fall and wherever we land, we simply need to go back to the scriptures and we need to make sure what we believe and what we uh, say lines up with the testimony of scripture. Exactly. So, like I said, you know, read, listen back, read, read over these scriptures for yourself, internalize this. Send us questions if you have questions. Info at southbridge.cc. No, just address those to Brandon at southbridge.cc. Don't bypass info. You can send them to me. Uh, You know, you might take a while. Me getting back. His cell phone number is. Hold on. We don't need. I don't need all that. Um, All right. Well, guys, we really hope that this is helpful. We hope it's informative. We hope that it helps you in your walk with Christ and God as you as you go forward. Um, We love y'all. We thank you for listening. Um, And until next time, grace and peace.